Dave. Hey, Holly. What's going on? How you doing? I'm great. I'm uh, very excited. We're going to continue our interview with Freddie Snakeskin. Part two. Yeah, we're going to uh, kind of get into the nuts and bolts of uh, what went down on uh, the 106.7 back in the 80s. The fascinating story of the world famous K-Rock. Yeah, I think we're going to pick it up where Freddie is the PD and how this all happened and uh, what he brought to the station. Welcome to What Difference Does It Make? Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get into it. You were doing weekends, and then when did you move to, I, I think I remember you from like the afternoons, you yeah. had like a three to... Yeah, I did the afternoons for uh, five or six years, and I did uh, 10 to 2 at night before that, for about uh, six months or so. <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you prefer? Uh, I like the afternoons. Yeah. Keeps me off the freeway. <laughs> it was after school. That's why I think that's probably why I yeah. remember you the most, is because it was after school. Yeah, yeah. Put on K-Rock, and then... There's Frederick there J. Were. Snakeskin. What, by the yeah. way, what does the J stand for? Oh, it doesn't stand for anything. Really? Know. <laughs> Just like Homer J. Simpson. Jehovah. <laughs> Jehoshaphat. Um, Jacob, oh. if you want to get biblical. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so Rick was the PD for a while. How long was he the PD? He was the uh, PD for, uh, I don't know, five or six years until he... Um, we were doing so well in the ratings that he started getting offers to consult other stations. So he formed a consultancy with a couple of partners of his and uh, sort of left me in charge of K-Rock. He, I became the PD, you know, talk about inmates running the asylum. <laughs> and he went on to uh, found other K-Rock type stations in, uh, in San Diego, Extra, 91X, um, in San Francisco. He had the Quake. And there was one in Seattle, one in Dallas, and one in Philadelphia. Except he'd, he'd come in with this with this box of weird records, and uh, nobody knew what to do with them. And uh, he had me put together a tape of drop-ins, and he'd, he'd give those to the jocks. And he said, well, what are these for? And so they, you know, let's, let's see what Jack Webb has to say. And, you know, try to talk, <laughs> talk back to him, and uh, it just kind of fell flat. And uh, the L.A. market was a little more uh, adventurous and more familiar with our strange kind of music. And we were there to curate it, as as they say now. But well, <laughs> some of these other markets, they didn't know what to do with it. So those stations, uh, one by one, uh, with the exception of 91X, all kind of fell by the wayside. And from what I've read, Rick wasn't the most organized guy in the world. Is that uh, I think that that's true? a fair statement. <laughs> <laughs> So, did uh, I mean? Was it? Were you like his right hand man before? While well, he was still the PD, did, did you kind of yeah, learn the? Yeah, yeah, I was assistant PD before that. I got to kind of watch over this guy, or you were like, okay, Rick's Rick knows what he's in his head. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, but you kind of have to extrapolate what's uh, you know what the feeling is, or what, what right? Was, what or, was your role as as Rick Carroll's right hand man? Well, sort of knowing when to, when to cheat. Mm, when what does that mean? When to make substitutions on the uh, on the playlist? <laughs> okay. okay. Most part. So it was, you were kind of the music director. As, well, he, as he a, had another music director, a guy by the name of Larry Groves, mm-hmm. who's also since passed away. But he he wasn't a uh, he wasn't a DJ, and you know I think uh, he never really got uh, much past the Rolling Stones. So he <laughs> he was always fit. saying we should we should play more Stones. And, and how did the playlist work? I mean, now it's just kind of, you know, you put it in a, a software system yeah, and it yeah. spits out what's going on. Was it, was it a card catalog or what, no, what was going it was, on? No, it was like uh, the spokes of a wheel. He'd give us these uh, music keys. 
mm-hmm. divided up into you know an hour an hour with the various slots. And if you were on for three hours, he'd write in three songs or three or four songs in each slot. And uh, the ones that were on tight rotations, he'd, he'd specify which hour you're supposed to play it in. But other than otherwise, you just uh, make it fit during your four-hour shift. And if you didn't play it one hour, you'd play it the next. So this was all pre-research. Uh, very much so, yes. <laughs> Seat of the pants, if that. Yeah. And it did feel like that, which is good, which is what we wanted as, as listeners. Yeah. That's what we wanted. Okay, so th- now when you step in the big chair... Did you make any changes, or what? What was your what was your vision of um, K Rock, or what? The it, main what, changes that I made were I, I added a couple of um, of DJs that were you know that I thought were probably uh, a little better suited to K Rock, and we we hired Rachel Donahue, who was uh, who was an old friend of mine, and we know Rachel because right. of she had been at uh, well she'd been every place she'd been correct at yeah K West and KLOS and KMET. And also, I mean, up in San Francisco. She oh, was- yeah, yeah. And uh, that preceding that, uh, she was married to the late, great Tom Donahue, of course. So, yeah, so uh, I, heard, I like- heard many, many stories about old Tom. Yeah, so, I mean, they were... Th- they were the they invented freeform. Yeah, they were the original uh, power keep couple. Your ears open. Changes just keep happening. You know that whole thing. It's eight fifty four. What's that weather going to be like? Nice. Thank you. And yet gloomy somehow. You're going to love it. But just lie back and I'll give you breakfast in bed. I one- do you remember that. And I remember Rachel did. What was I? Can't, I can't remember what it was, but it was called the Lady in the Doorknob. Yes. What was that? What was that thing? It was like a game. That, that yeah, yeah, play. yeah. Um, it was like a you'd, you'd guess the name of a, a big person or a thing, and uh, she'd give you three clues, which were songs, and you'd say, door number one. She'd play one song, and people would call and try to guess, and they'd always be wrong. And after, after you know, the second one, maybe a couple people would guess it, but usually not. She made so it. This she, was not an easy game. Did you, I, yeah. did you ever I was guess? never able. Like I don't know where this is coming from. Like, I tried to tie it all together. <laughs> yeah, I, I hardly get. Uh, I hardly got any of them myself either. But I was still intrigued by it. I, I don't, yeah. I still, it was. A, it was a really good way to keep people listening. She was. A, she was a genius at that. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So you. So you brought her along. And, and who else? Who else did you hire? And did you replace? Were the what did Rachel replace? I never somebody? fired anybody. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> you just don't have it in you. <laughs> just never told anybody. Just... No, I didn't. Uh, well, for one thing, I wasn't allowed to, but uh, I didn't really see anybody that needed to be fired. I changed some shifts around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hired a guy named Sam Freeze to do uh, ten to two at night, who was another friend of mine who had absolutely no radio experience, but. Uh, my theory job. was always you, you can take the funny guy next door, you can train him to be a DJ, but you can never train a DJ to be the funny guy next door. So true. Yes. So he had a natural gift for that. And a nice career at K-Rock. Yeah. And that, too, can only happen on the Sam Freeze show on L.A. and Orange County's radio leader with some Wong Chong. That's not wonton. It's two tons with Wong Chong on Carol QFM, The Rock. As I'm looking at the, I'm looking at what what we had. We had um, like during this one period, there was. Uh, what, what can you tell me about Judd the Fish? I mean, you ha- you have like you have a, like. I know we only have we have less than three hours to talk about him, but uh, yeah. Well, um, no, he's uh, still one of my best friends, and he's been through a lot. Yeah. <laughs> dot dot dot. <laughs> 
Okay, and that wraps and, up. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, his early tribulations are are somewhat well-known to people. Because mm-hmm. he was always getting in the paper for, you know, being arrested for one thing or another. But uh, he was a, a genuine talent, and he's part of K-Rock's DNA. This is Carol Q. FM Jed the Fish presenting the Rock of the 80s countdown for 1983. And here's number 97 by Kajagugu. Too shy. And notice I'm not putting any drop-ins over the middle of the songs or even over the beginnings or the outros or anything. I mean, aren't you impressed? Oh, my God. And I put Dusty Street in that same category. Yeah, oh, definitely. And she also from K-West? Uh, uh, she she, had, she oh, right. was from San Francisco. Yeah. She worked at uh, KMPX and KSAN back in the, uh, in the early freeform days. Ah, uh, well, it's close enough for rock and roll, you know. I mean... What a 640, that's as much as you get at this radio station. And that's not an hour. We only wish it were. Dusty Street, KROQ, FM, and Pasadena Rock of the 80s. Do you consider yourself no. like a historian? Did you Were you aware of what was going on in San Francisco? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Phoenix. And, uh, you know, I would read Billboard and Rolling Stone and read all about these uh, famous radio people and stations that I would maybe someday like to work at. Legendary stations like KSAN and, uh, and KMET. You're tuned to the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Stay where you are. We will be back. Patience has paid off. We've returned to the What Differences Make podcast. Did you have a a, a hero that you looked up to, like a, a, a jock or air talent? Um, yeah, the real Don Steele. <laughs> Did you get? He was at Ten Q. Yes, he was. So you got to meet him and work with. Yeah, him. we were we were actually pretty good friends. What can you tell me about him? Because uh, he was crazed. Yeah, like all these guys, <laughs> like Jed the Fish. Yeah, but he was he was a brilliant guy. Uh, he could say. Uh, he could say four or five different things in over the over an eight second song intro, mm-hmm. and he is, is one of those rare disc jockeys that you listen to just to hear what he would say, as opposed to what he's going to play. <laughs> That's and, true. Uh, and he was so uh, so tight, and uh, he was such a brilliant uh, a brilliant guy using the language. ATM to Los Angeles, the new DQ, I'm the real Don Steele, Tony. All right, so on the other side of the spectrum, someone who wasn't so tight and thoughts were all over the place. What, tell, talk to yeah. me a little bit about Rodney. I was just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I said, oh, you mean Rodney? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Rodney was a scene maker. I don't think he ever was actually a... Uh, DJ per se, except by virtue of the fact that he was on the air. But uh, back in the very early days before I started, they had uh, K Rock had studios in a hotel room at the Pasadena Hilton, 
they they somehow uh, had weaseled out of uh, <laughs> Hilton. Says, "Well, we, we'll we'll say every hour that we're broadcasting from the beautiful Pasadena Hilton. You'll love it, <laughs> and uh, so and we'll play you some rent too, which I don't think they ever got around to actually paying him anything. But uh, they'd uh, I went up there and visited them a couple times. It was it was a real dump, you know, not nice hotel room, but uh, totally trashed." And uh, Rodney would get on there, and the first time he played the Ramones, uh, the phones uh, lit up, people complaining, hey, you're playing that song at the wrong speed, you know. <laughs> and that's orchestra maneuvers in the dark, doing electricity. Before that, you heard Haircut 100 doing Boy Meets Girl. Susie did uh, Spellbound and Susie and the Banshees. And the Untouchables started off doing a song called Twist and Shake. Brand new from the Untouchables. Okay, it says here, where can you see some of your favorite local bands and take in the best of our local artists and commemorating uh, the nuclear bombings of Humashima and Nagasaki? We're at Target LA, a two-day festival to be held at um, Mammoth uh, Parking Place at 3rd and Alameda in downtown LA. He had something in the 70s, in like the late 70s. Yeah, that was, he had a place, a little hole in the wall on Sunset, I think it was, Rodney Bingenheimer's English Disco and David Bowie and Iggy Pop and all these uh, megastars would hang out there. And uh, When did you start to get like rock or artists start coming to K-Rock? Like, okay, we need to march these guys in or, you know, what? Uh, oh, the, uh, bands would come in all the time to be interviewed and hopefully get their record played. It was always a song for not necessarily the artist, but it was. Did you look? Uh, at the song? I've always been more song oriented than artist oriented myself, and I never went in for much for interviews. I'd rather play the song than talk about it. But uh, so uh, Jed and Dusty were the two uh, masters of the the art of the K Rock interview, okay. and they have some some brilliant uh, stuff on tape. Is that stuff yeah. still around? Is that uh... um. Is it in the vault? Is is there a vault? Yeah, I don't here. I don't know what what uh, what they've both got, but if 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 it exists, uh, it would be in their possession. Really, I asked uh, I asked Billy Idol how he used to be a bad boy, and and he got really mad at me. But, but since you brought it up, how did you used to be a bad boy? And I was a very bad boy at school. I mean, from the age of sort of. Um, in, in fact, Dusty was asking me, you know, do you have that interview I did with the Plasmatics? Uh, no, I didn't really record a whole lot of other people's shows. <laughs> was there a camaraderie between the jobs? Oh, yeah, very much so. We were all best friends. We we hung out on weekends and and nights. And we took we took a, a couple trips to Hawaii together. It was a promotion that... Uh, <laughs> Please talk about that. They that. did for a couple of years. <laughs> because I do remember that listening on the radio, yeah. this promotion, because like, this was something like I, I was excited about this. I wanted to go to Hawaii with, yeah. with the K-Rock jocks, with the glamorous jocks. <laughs> yeah. I want to see these. You know, I want to hang out with these They people. signed up a lot of people that, that paid uh, big money to, to go over on some of those trips. And then they, they gave us uh, hotel rooms and, and tickets to be part of the package. And so it's it's kind of weird, like going on vacation with everybody you work with mm-hmm. uh, all at once. And uh, I don't know what the station was doing in our absence. I, I lined up a couple of people to uh, work there, and, and so did Jed. Uh, Danny Elfman from Oingo Boingo did a shift. Uh, he was uh, he was Moscow Eddie. Is that right? And uh, a friend of mine that uh, 
worked at KFI at the time, big Ron O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked him into uh, filling in for me while we were gone. And so he came in as uh, Eugene Oregon, spelled O apostrophe R-E-A-G-A-N. And I don't know what what they did the rest of the day, but uh, evidently they kept it filled with some people. <laughs> A lot of people got their debuts on uh, in L.A. radio back during those so two was, weeks, I guess. So it was literally the entire staff of K-Rock. I mean, the, the on-air talent and, you know, yeah. people behind the scenes went yeah. all went to Hawaii along with how many how many listeners went? To Three or four hundred. Is that right? Yeah. And what happened at this thing? <laughs> I mean, please, come on. I know there was a lot of alcohol, but you got to remember something. Yeah, well, we were uh, we were banned from at least one hotel. And uh, considering some of the hijinks that some people were up to, I'm surprised that uh, a lot of us didn't end up in jail over there and, you know, still, still trying to get out. Thank you for listening to What Difference Does It Make? Yes, we're going to cut it off right here and bring you back uh, for the exciting conclusion next week. Uh, this has been, uh, it's kind of fun listening to someone else uh, who is uh, actually someone who was there, literally there at the station and uh, bringing uh, the magic of K-Rock to life. Wow, that's, he is what drew us into radio. For sure. And so um, please stay tuned and follow us on social media. Where do, what do we got? Twitter and Instagram, WDDIM podcast. And what difference does it make on Facebook and every podcast platform available? Yeah. Tweet at us. Let us know uh, how we're doing and uh, you know whatever else, uh, any suggestions or interview requests. We'd, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Ideas for episodes. Always. Thank you so much for joining us. Until then, uh, check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.